From Mountain Home to Raft River, we've got all the District 4 analysis you'll need to know. This is the Magic Valley PrepCast with Scott Burton. That's right. Welcome into another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast here on IdahoSports.com, your weekly destination for all things District 4. Brandon Bainey joined by Scott Burton. Scott, two-a-days have started. How exciting. Yeah, it's nice to be back at it, you know, and back at it without the restrictions that we had last year. Marching into last year was uh, nothing short of a nightmare. So it's nice to have some normalcy. It's kind of fun. Yes, uh, without those restrictions. The only thing you got to worry about this time of year is the air quality, right? Because of wildfires. (laughs) You know, it's funny because uh, last year, you know, we go through all this COVID stuff and we don't even know if we're going to have seasons. And, you know, in my first, uh, you know, year as AD and and my very first event was a soccer game and uh, before football and everything else. And we're thinking, okay, this is going to go. This is going to go. We're actually going to have an event. And the next thing you know, there's a fire and the air quality stunk and we had to cancel the soccer game because of air quality it's like really it's not COVID or or murder hornets it's going to be the smoke that was an appropriate sign of your uh, tenure and things to come right oh my goodness (laughs) was it ever so this is refreshing and I don't even know what to do in normal situations but uh, we'll figure it out yeah, for sure. So uh, we're going to talk uh, today about football. That's uh, what everybody gets most excited about. Mm-hmm. And the number one football player that people are going to want to watch this year is in Gooding. And that is Colston Loveland, the senior tight end who signed uh, with Michigan. He's going to go play for Jim Harbaugh. It, it's got to be one of the most widely lauded recruits I've seen in some time in the state of Idaho. Oh, I mean, there, there's no question. I mean, he is, if I'm not mistaken it's idaho's fourth four-star recruit in the last 20 years and so you know you hear about you know vander ash and those guys that come out of idaho but those are rarities and but this is a highly recruited guy and you know the recruiting process for for him was just insane i mean he was every pac-10 school was knocking on his door um but you know the interesting thing about you know, Colston is that he's a relationships guy, you know, and, and he wanted to go to a place that was going to be about relationships. He was focused on player development. And uh, when he went and visited Michigan, I was like, holy cow. I mean, he, he struck up great relationships with the Arbaz, Jim and his brother. Um, and, you know, and, they, and they've got a, a reputation for developing tight ends. And then the minute you walk into the big house, game over, you know, and so. You know, Idaho's on his side. Well, you know, I think everybody's pretty excited. They rally around these kinds of kids. Um, and, and it's good for our state and definitely good for the Magic Valley. Yeah, it's so awesome for for Gooding and, and the Magic Valley as a whole, as you said. You know, early in the summer, Alabama offered him, and everybody thought, well, who yep. turns down Alabama? That's like turning down the mafia. You don't <laughs> you don't refuse <laughs> Nick Saban. And everybody thought it was a slam dunk. And then here yeah. comes Michigan. I, I, it was intriguing to watch that. No, it, it really was because, I mean, with all of the offers he was getting, and like I mentioned, I mean, Pac-10 or the Pac-12 rather right next door, you know, knocking on his door, you know, at the end of the day, Arizona, Oregon State, Auburn, Alabama, LSU, Michigan, those were the top dogs for him. And then on the visits, man, I, just Michigan did something for him, you know, and the relationships that he struck up with the, you know, the Harbaugh's, I mean, it made sense. And so here we go. 
Yeah, and that's going to make the SCIC this year, that that conference in uh, Class uh, 3A football. Really exciting to watch. It's only a four-team league, but I, I think you're going to see quality uh, night in, night out. Gooding, we, we talk about, is it, kind of a uh, like a co-favorite, I guess you could call it. Um, it was a toss-up on the preseason coaches poll as to who they thought was going to do better. Loveland is awesome, of course, good tight end, but... You know, he wasn't even the most lauded offensive player a year ago. That was their quarterback, Curtis Atkinson. Yeah, Atkinson was the SCIC Offensive Player of the Year in the conference. You know, threw for over 1,600 yards last year. Uh, he's back, you know. And so, you know, Gooding, in any other year, you would look at Gooding's roster and what Gooding has coming back, and you would say, these guys could quite possibly win the whole thing. And then you go, oh, wait. We got Kimberly in the same conference, and it is just insane what these two teams are going to bring to the table. It's, I mean, they are loaded, both of them. Yeah. So for for our statewide team previews, we do at IdahoSports.com. By the way, we've got about seventy percent of the schools online. So if you're looking and you don't see your favorite team yet, just keep checking back because every day we're getting more and more back from the coaches and getting them written and uploaded. So, but but as we're sending these out, we ask every coach kind of like, hey, who are some who are some guys in the conference to keep an eye on that aren't on your team? And uh, Cameron Anderson, the head coach of Gooding, replied back. Everybody from Kimberly in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and it, it, it is. And those two, those two schools, um, you know, I mean, sitting here at a 4A school, looking at what those two schools have, there are a lot of 4As that are just chomping at the bit, salivating, going, where, why can't, where, where are these kids? You know, they're in Kimberly and they're in Gooding this year. And, uh, you know, as far as Gooding goes, I mean, they're power. They are, they're big. They just don't have the speed. And that's going to be the knock on Gooding is, is how well are they going to be able to handle speed? So they're going to have to just bully people around um, with their size. Okay. Because, you know, they've got a ton of returners, um, but are they fast enough to handle a team like Kimberly? That's going to be the, the, the challenge, but you know what, that game's the last game of the regular season. And there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be happening before you know, everybody gets to that circle date on their calendar, but uh, it's, it's kind of thunder versus lightning, the speed of Kimberly versus the strength and size of Gooding. Yeah. I know Kimberly on the track this past spring just had sprinters and athletes galore. Their basketball team was really good. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like there's 5 million bears that are there. You know, <laughs> the last, the last name bear is, is uh-huh. very prominent in Kimberly and um, so, I mean, when you look at these two teams, you mentioned the, the, size versus speed which, which one do you lean more towards who when you look at these two teams side by side who do you think is the better squad oh man i tell you that's a, that's a tough one because it's going to be it's going to be a lot on gooding to do something with that size to negate the speed i mean they're going to have to get pressure with you know three man fronts four man fronts they're going to have to you know be able to to, to have some some coverages in the secondary that's going to negate the speed because Kimberly's going to be one of those teams that, you know, you you can't go man-to-man coverage a lot of times with those guys because they've got so much speed, they're just going to outrun you. So what is Gooding going to do scheme-wise that's going to, you know, try to, to negate that? You know, last year when they played, uh, fun fact, I mean, Gooding huddled for the first time in about nine years to try to slow the game down. That, that's how fast Kimberly is. And so you talk about these fast teams. 
you have no idea how fast Kimberly is. They, I mean, blazing speed, you know? And, and so when you look at them, I mean, they've got guys that you said are, are running, setting records in track, you know, it's, uh, you know, Widmeyer and Owens, a quarterback, and then Gatlin Bear. I mean, who do you stop on Kimberly with the speed? We'll find out. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So in all your time in the Magic Valley, has there ever been a year like this where you've got these two titans that are not just going to go head-to-head in their conference, but really are, are going to be two of the more highly regarded teams in the entire state? You know, it, I, I liken it back to maybe when, I hate to say this, but back when, back when I was playing, um, just, you know, couple years ago <laughs> uh it was jerome and buell of all teams because we were in the same conference at that point and uh both of us were loaded and you know we we would have these meetings against buell and, and both both of us were just the top two in the state in uh in a2 at the time it was a2 and uh, i remember coming down to the final game of the season jerome versus buell just like this matchup is both teams undefeated um and the winner goes to state and we ended up winning 28 to nothing and went on to win the state title but when you've got two teams in the same conference that are so stacked man you don't see this very often and so to answer your question man i'd have to go back a long time yeah a long time well, you mentioned Buell. They are a program that has a, a storied past. It's been a tough couple of seasons, but they're kind of turning to an old familiar face here. Alan Reynolds, who was a part of the last state championship team at Buell, uh, is uh, there to take over the reins. I, I think that's really got the Buell fans excited. Yeah, I mean, Alan Reynolds has pretty much come full circle now. I mean, he's a, a Buell grad going right back to his roots. And like you mentioned, he was part of the state titles in Buell back in the late 70s, 77, 78, 79, um, you know, and the thing about Buell is they kind of get lost in the shuffle when they're in the same conferences, you know, Kimberly and Gooding, you know, they went one and seven last year, but, you know, five of those losses were to teams that made the postseason. And, uh, you know, it's not like they have an empty cupboard, but, you know, what they do have is they've got an experienced coach coming in um, that knows how to win. You know, he's coached at, a, you know, well at Twin Falls for forever and, uh, you know, has done very well there, but he's just a guy that's got football in his blood and now he's coming home to his alma mater. And, uh, there's something to be said about that. You know, when you get a hometown boy coming in that won when he was there as a player can bring an attitude with him and, you know, and Buell's they're going to be okay. You know, and fun fact about, uh, Alan Reynolds is when I got into education back in a long time ago, uh, I did my student teaching for Alan Reynolds, you know, when he was teaching health at Twin Falls High School. So Alan and I have been friends for years and years and years, and uh, I've seen him retire twice. Um, and, uh, and and funny, and, and I know he'll watch this and he'll get a kick out of it. Is uh, you know to to kill time in retirement. You know he he kind of went to work uh, doing some mowing for. Uh, Nathan Bishop, you know, taking care of football fields and stuff like that. And, and, uh, or Alan would come over and, and mow our football field. And, uh, so here's the, you know, twin ex twin coach retired, uh, mowing or drone football field. And I'd go out there and I, boy, would I harass him. I <laughs> dangle swag and all sorts of stuff. And boy, he wouldn't bite. And, oh man, it, we had a lot of good banter, but 
you know, you just know the guy. You knew he wasn't going to stay retired. He just He's just a coach. That's who he is. And I'm really glad he's getting the opportunity um, in Buell because if, when your career comes full circle, I mean, that's where he belongs. You know, I'm excited for him. He's a, he's a great guy. Yeah, I think he's going to be a real shot in the arm for for the Buell players and and fans mm-hmm. there. And then and then Filer is the other uh, team that's in the SCIC, and they've got a new coach as well. But it's the opposite end of the spectrum, Justin Bransma, who's kind of just getting his career started. How young is he? Well, when I reached out to him, his email address was an isu.edu address. He still had his student, <laughs> his student email address from Idaho State University. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got some young some young guys coming up through the ranks in, in, in a lot of different classifications. Bransman's one of them. And, uh, you know, he's going to get a baptism by fire, you know, real quickly because, you know, filers have their struggles, you know, and they're going to try to get things back on track. Um, but, you know, he's still going to have to play Gooding and Kimberly and, and Buell, you know, and, and the pecking order of that conference is – you know, everybody thinks it's going to be Kimberly and then Filer, maybe the other way around, who knows, but then Buell and then Filer. But you look at the gap between second and third and fourth. I mean, it's huge in what people think is going to happen. Of course, injuries can derail all of that and you never know, but Bransman's going to have his work cut out for him. And I wish him, wish him the best to rebuild that program. Yeah, it'll it'll be fun to watch the SCIC as the season unfolds. So that was kind of a straightforward prediction in terms of what the coaches thought, except at the top. Let's move to the Great Basin 7 Conference at the 4A, which I got to be honest, is like wide open. I, I, I feel like it's wide open this year. Yeah, but I tell you what, the team that is loaded is Minico. Minico is stacked. And, uh, and I think it's going to be theirs to lose, honestly. I mean... Their junior class this year is absolutely legit. And one of the things that uh, Minico is going to do is they're taking their quarterback, uh, Brevin Trinkle, and they're moving him to running back. And uh, and I think that's a great move. I mean, Brevin is Brevin's just a stud. He's a, a big kid. He's a strong kid. He's a tough kid. And uh, he's, he's going to be well served at running back and linebacker because, you know, he's a kid that wants to move on to the next level but it's going to be at the linebacker position. It's not going to be at the quarterback. And when they played him at quarterback over the last couple of years, that limited his time on the field because you just can't have your quarterback on the field for every snap. It's a little different when he's in the running back position. Now they can utilize him more. And I think that's a very, very strong move. Um, You know, Dylan McKenzie is going to be the quarterback this year, you know, and he's one of those guys that is just a game manager. He's a smart guy. He knows the offense. He's, He's like having another coach on the field. And Minico's prowess has always been the run game, and it's not going to change. You know, they're, they're just going to be power football. They've got horses up front. They can move the line of scrimmage. Minico is going to be, you know, back in the Perigo days where they just ran, ran, ran right down your throat. They maybe had three plays. Stop them. You know, that's how good this Minico team could be um, if they get it together. But one thing that Minico has not had in the past that they have this year is somebody that can – stretch the field vertically from the wide receiver position. And that's going to be Quentin Poole. Um, Quentin Poole is a junior, but he's also a tall wide receiver with speed. And so a lot of teams are, you know, last year in particular, would just stack the box and just say, okay, fine. We know what you're going to do because you can't throw the ball. Well, this year might be a little different. And that's going to be a little wrinkle with uh, Minico this year. You're going to have to respect that big play over the top. 
you know, that they have. So it'll be interesting to see, but I do think it's Minico's conference right now. Yeah, I think it's going to be a nice one to punch in the backfield with Brevin Trankel and then Clayton Wilson, who was the, the mm-hmm. main running back a year ago. Uh, that'll be a nice one to punch. And Keelan McCaffrey, he's just a good coach. Ever since he took over that program uh, three, four years ago, I mean, Minico has very consistently been in the playoffs and right in the thick of the conference race. I, I yeah, they have. You know, I mean, he's he's a, a, a Parago descendant and played for, for Tim and, and, you know, he knows the system and they don't change it. You know, a lot of times you get these young coaches that come in that are like, you know what, I'm going to put my stamp on everything and I'm going to change it all. And, you know, McCaffrey hasn't done that in his fourth season. Now it's like, you know, why fix something that ain't broken, you know? And so they just keep doing what they do. And, you know, kind of interesting that, uh, you know, Keelan McCaffrey, his little brother plays for Minico. So he's coaching his little brother this year. Uh, and I, and I talked to him about that and he's like, you know what? It's, it's pretty cool, but I told all these, and this is Keelan talking, he said, I told all the assistant coaches, if we start fighting, it's okay, brothers fight. He goes, but if you see my little brother on top of me, pull him off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's good. Yeah, especially when he's got pads on, it's a little easier for him to overpower a coach. That's yeah. Yeah. So, so the the Keelan and Finn battles at practice might be fun to watch. Yeah. Well, the the battles in the rest of the conference are going to be great as well. So, yeah, you you mentioned it. Minico is kind of the preseason favorite, and then depending on who you ask, you know, Twin Falls or and or Jerome, uh, probably second. Yeah, you know, and, and you you talk about Jerome, the defending conference champions. You know, they lost a ton to graduation. You know, and, and a lot of those kids were, you know, starters and never came off the field since their sophomore year. I mean, you're talking, you know, J.W. James and Shaler Bingham, Jaden McIntyre, Kyle Craig, Joe Stevenson, uh, Ryan Almanza. Uh, and then the big question for Jerome that still sort of remains is who's going to play quarterback? You know, Dallin Thompson was the guy and, you know, threw the ball like crazy. I mean, Jerome was was preloaded last year, especially at skill position. Uh, and linebacker. And, and now all of a sudden they are trying to get some young players to step up, but they're not, you know, completely, you know, without returners. I mean, they've got some guys coming back. I mean, uh, Johnny Ramsey's in the backfield, uh, Morgan Quam, Colton Ellison, Logan Worthington, and then Gavin Capps at tight end who had a big, big year uh, for Jerome. He's back and, and Nate McDonald is back. And so they've got some, some players, but I think anytime you lose a quarterback, the caliber that Dallin was, that's going to be the tough one to replace because Jerome has, you know, been notoriously known for that screen game, that Tony Franklin style offense. And you're going to need a good signal caller to pull that stuff off. And uh, so, you know, they're, they're asking um, David Gill to step in and, and do that, you know, and so we'll see what happens. And, and uh, hopefully, or Daniel Gill, beg your pardon. There's a couple of Gills, Daniel Gill, as the guy that's going to be asked to do that, you know, and so it'll be interesting to see because you look at Jerome's schedule, their first two games at Gooding and then home against Kimberly. <laughs> we'll find out real quick, right? Yes, they will. Won't they? <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's uh, yeah, I agree. I think, I think Jerome's going to be right there. If some of those younger players that are getting their first varsity taste can uh, step up twin falls is another team that just they they lost a lot in the off season i mean 
Nick Swenson was a great quarterback. Their running back last year was a kid that came over from Washington. They they weren't able to play in the fall because of COVID. And uh, Luke Spitznagel, uh, mm-hmm. his family moved to Twin Falls. He but he's gone now. There's a lot of question marks surrounding Twin Falls, but they they are one of the highly regarded teams preseason. Yeah, they are. You know, and Twin Falls just has a you know a pedigree. Even though they went three and six last year, um, they they don't stay down very long. I mean, Twins one of those teams that, yeah, they'll suffer a, a cycle of graduation, just like a lot of other schools do. But the thing about twin is they, they find a way back very quickly. You know, Ben Coring's in his second year um, over a twin, and he does have some returning players. I mean, Jace Malky, be a senior this year. I mean, he was first team all great basin last year. So, I mean, he's coming back as a team leader, Luke Moon, Tegan Severe, uh, Isaac Lopez, Hickman, Carney. I mean, all these guys are coming back as a core. And, you know, there's a couple of them that are on the offensive and defensive line, which is huge. Um, but, you know, it, it's going to be, again, the quarterback position. Nick Swenson, you know, was kind of the leader. And, you know, he not only on the football field, but he was for basketball too. You know, and, and losing a kid like that that has an impact in your school is going to be tough to replace. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Twin does. I mean, they've got some good up-and-coming sophomores that are stepping in, you know, whether it's uh, Wyatt Salaza Ball and Grayson Keys or Grant Patterson, all these kids made names for themselves at the JV level. Now it's time to play under the big light. So there's still some question marks there for twin. Um, but when you look at the, the pecking order of this conference and what everybody seems to think, like you said, I mean, Minico won, there's to lose. After that, twin Jerome, what do you got? You know, what's going to happen? And, uh, and we'll see. And though Twin and Jerome will play midpoint of the season over in Jerome. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a big one to circle on the schedule for sure. The team I think is going to be a real sleeper this year is Mountain Home. I think Mountain Home was set up for a nice season last year and had some just crushing injuries very early on in their season. They lost their starting quarterback very early on in the season. And uh, we just got their preview back last night from head coach Jim Clark. It's up on our site now. And I think Mountain Home is going to be a team that could surprise. They've got, I think, one of the best offensive linemen, not in the conference, but in the entire state, Gunnar Clark. And talking with Coach Clark in his preseason assessment, he said they're totally retooling the offense. And I want to make sure I get the quote right here. He said, we are going to uh, run a secret A-wing concept that Idaho hasn't seen in a while. So this is like a new, like I think it's like a 1920s or 30s offense. That, But they're going old school. They're totally retooling, and they, they could be a tough out. They could. You know, and Mountain Home is one of those teams that is just always a question mark, you know, and a lot of it is because of their locale. You know, I mean, you're dealing with the Air Force base and the military kids coming in. You don't know who's there one year to the next and whatever, whatever. Um, but, you know, they really kind of put themselves on the football map last year uh, until they got injured. And then all of a sudden it was like, OK, well, they're, they're out of the equation. It's Jerome's conference now. Um, but but you're right. They've got some some players you're going to have to contend with. And, you know, the Clark kid on the line, anytime you got a kid like that, you know, I mean, not to to liken him to, you know, professional, but whenever you have to deal, you know, with an Aaron Donald on the Rams, I mean, it, that, that one guy just requires so much attention. And when you're having to put that kind of attention on somebody, that means you're not paying attention to somebody else. And that's what a kid like that can do 
uh, especially on the line. So it will be interesting to see what Mountain Home does this year. They could easily make a little bit of noise. Yeah, I, th- I think a playoff spot is definitely within reach for them. And then, you know, as we get towards the back half of the Great Basin 7, it's going to be teams that who- whoever can develop as the season progresses, I think, have a chance to finish higher. You've got Burley and Canyon Ridge and Wood River. You know, Canyon Ridge, let's start with them. They've got a new head coach, uh, James Poole. Uh, Bubba, he played at the University of Utah, was a great running back and wide receiver. And I, I got a chance to interact with him at the Idaho All-State Games at Canyon Ridge High School earlier this summer, the All-Star Games they do for 6th, 7th, 8th graders. And he was coaching one of the All-State teams. And I got to say, I, I like the way he handles himself. And I think he's going to be a great fit at Canyon Ridge. No, I think so too. You know, And I think what Canyon Ridge needs... Uh, needed is a shot in the arm. You know, they just needed some a, a, something new, something a breath of fresh air, just to reinvigorate a program uh, that started to lose some numbers. You know, because I mean, here's Canyon Ridge, and they've got some work to do. Don't get me wrong; they're not going to turn around in a year. But Canyon Ridge is pushing five A numbers, but can only field two football teams. You know, and so what's going to have to happen there is going to have to be a culture change. You know, and then kids are going to have to start coming out again and they're going to have to rebuild that program. Um, And so hopefully with some new blood, they can do that. And, you know, and it's, you know, it's a big task taking over for Impo. Impo is a proven coach. He coached up at Bishop Kelly, but, you know, now is AD and just, I mean, that's just a lot on his plate. And so, I mean, it was time and he made a great hire. And uh, hopefully this change can kind of bring Canyon Ridge back into the, to the discussion when it comes to the Great Basin. They just haven't been there while yeah i think they'll be fun to watch as the season goes along burley is a team that you know has had flirts with success and then and then they'll go from a a good year to a down year they seem to have these swings where they're always going back and forth between you know pretty solid to to really struggling yeah you know and and they're kind of in the same boat as is canyon ridge as far as like a football culture goes you know they're they're on the lower end though before a numbers you know, and so if something, you know, classifications would ever change, Burley would be in the discussion about moving down a classification. But, you know, I will say they've got the nicest field in the conference. <laughs> the yeah. stadium is immaculate. Um, but, you know, they've got some work to do there, too. I mean, they've had some revolving doors of the head coach position as well. And so they've got to get some consistency um, going there to to reinvigorate that program because they're in the same boat as Canning Ridge, two teams. I mean. You know, if you want to be successful at the 4A level, you've got to be able to get the numbers. And, and that's where it starts. And so until that happens, you know, those schools are going to have a little bit of work to do. You know, and, and of course, they're going to have a great class that comes in and and uh, kind of lights a fire. But can they keep that fire going? You know, and so hopefully down the road, you know, we get a lot of these these teams that have been sort of at the bottom of the conference relevant again. Yeah, and the, and the final school we want to touch on is Wood River, and I think they've been picked seventh not because of they don't think there's talent, but there's just there's a lot of unknowns. You know, Wood River only got to play two games last year, and then they had a, a quasi exhibition game with Kerry where they played eleven man on offense and uh-huh. eight man on defense, and and they just their their entire season was taken away from them because of yeah. COVID nineteen and and very strict 
restrictions by the school board in their districts. And and I know late in the season, there was a petition to, to bring athletics back, but by then it was too late for Wood River. I like their coach. Shane Carden is a good young, bright mind. He was a quarterback at East Carolina University not too long ago. Um, but I think you have to develop that consistency, and it's hard to do that when you only got to play two games. Yeah, it, it is. You know, and Wood River is just a different animal to begin with. I mean, being up there in the Haley area, Sun Valley area, I mean, it's just it's just a different mindset. It's a different uh, socioeconomic play. Everything about it is different. Okay, so we'll start there. But I think the big thing is that we may see the effects of that COVID season because, you know, they're the one school that really shut it all down. And they were the ones that canceled seasons. And, you know, and what that does to a team that, or a program or a school that really is kind of different anyway, and is maybe hanging on to these programs barely, it almost decimates them. And now it's a rebuild, you know, and, and you talk about football, you know, look at all those kids that came out last year, never got a season. And all of a sudden they're going to come out again, or they lost a graduation and the ones that are coming back or how many have experience, you know? And, and so you are rebuilding in a way and uh, Wood River was never, you know, a, a football powerhouse to begin with. I mean, there was a year that, you know, Kevin Stilling had them and did an amazing job uh, with them several, several years ago, but lately they haven't been. And now you're asking them to rebuild a football program. It, it's going to be tough for them. Uh, and I hope they get it done, you know, and I hope their community rallies because I know they're still in some controversy up there, you know, about how they want to start their, their school year, how, what kind what restrictions, if any, do they want to have? Because they, like I said, it's a different mindset up there. Uh, it's a different animal. And so they, they have their own little internal battles that are playing into this, but uh, they are ones that are really going to feel the effects of that COVID year. Yeah. And it goes hand in hand with it affects Wood River, but it also affects Cary, which is a team that is on the opposite end. They're a dominant right. football program and they're expecting to be in the mix again this year. So the dichotomy there is also very interesting, but I think yeah, it, is- it truly is. Yeah. yeah, it truly is. And when you talk about Blaine County, I mean, you've got two of the most opposite schools philosophically in a way in that same district. I mean, and it's, they, they kind of fight each other a little bit. Um, I mean, not, you know, one's 4A, one's, you know, 1A, but it's, but their their beliefs and the way that they kind of want to do things, but they all fall under the same umbrella because they're in the same school district. So from the outside looking in, that's that was and is uh, an interesting uh, dichotomy that they've got going on up there. And, and like you said, Carrie is a perennial favorite every year, you know, and to have them shut down, oh man, to climb to the top of the mountain, just to have everything shut down on them is detrimental to any program and Kerry is fighting like crazy not to let that happen. I, re- I really hope that we are able to play a season as normally as we can. I think it's been proven that it can be done mm-hmm. at the college level, at the high school level, at the youth level. It's been proven that if, if there are safeguards in place, you mm-hmm. should be able to continue as normally and regularly as you can. So, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think everybody is about ready to get back to normal you know, and not to turn this into any type of political thing, because that's not what we're doing here. But, you know, you have to have some sort of common sense to get back to normal um, and, and let these kids live, you know, because we went through all the safety protocols that we were asked to do last year and, and we did them. And then when we lifted restrictions towards 
you know, the end of a lot of it was towards the end of the winter seasons. And then we had spring seasons outside that were normal, you know, for the most part. We didn't see the uptake in, in cases and whatnot. And a lot of schools abandoned the masks uh, at spring break and, and didn't see the rise in cases. And, you know, and, and everybody's talking about new strands and everything else. But at the same time, these kids have got to have some normalcy because the, the detriment that, that they went through and, and the effects that are going to be felt with this, they're going to last a while. You know, and so we've got to get them back. Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself, Scott. Uh, that was a good starting point here for, for what's going to be a week or two of previews because next week we'll start to actually have some soccer matches, a football game or two. I know Minico is going to host Century, and which mm-hmm. should be a pretty interesting matchup. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk some more uh, teams and players to keep an eye on next week. Uh, for now, though, I think this was a good starting point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're excited to get it going. There's a lot of storylines developing down here. And, uh, yeah, we're excited to kind of dig in and find those and bring them to you every week. Yep. It's all right here on the Magic Valley PrepCast, your your top stop for all of your District 4 coverage. Each and every week here on IdahoSports.com, a couple of ways to get it. You can get the audio at our website, IdahoSports.com, as well as wherever you download your podcasts. You can also uh, watch the video if you want to see what Scott's office looks like. He's got a lot of cool stuff on the walls. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can check out uh, the video on our YouTube uh, channel as well as our Facebook page. So until next time, for Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey on the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Thanks for listening.